Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. You've probably seen this already. Uh, that's my, my big question to lead into today. What things are you friends with? I was never a great fan of Dennis the Menace, but I did see the movie. The movie was great. I remember the comic books and the TV show, but not as well as I remember the movie. Who, who did Dennis the Menace as a kid? <clears throat> yeah, oh, boy. Sandy. You did, mate. Oh, boy. Oh, I think if we had to find someone who most resembled him, you could be right up there. Anyway, <clears throat> Dennis the Menace. Oh, that's a hard way to start, isn't it? I'm going to lose you soon, I'm sure. Anyway, it'll be fun. It'll be fun getting lost together. Dennis the Menace. What I do know about him is this, that trouble followed him wherever he went. He was not a bad kid. He was cute. He, wasn't, he didn't get up in the morning and sit on the end of his bed and go, how can I get into trouble today? He didn't do that. But if you had a conversation with Dennis the Menace, sat him down and just had just, a, just, just shoot the breeze with him a little bit, just have a bit of a chat, I reckon within five minutes into the conversation, this is what would have happened. You would have noticed a glint in his eye and a little grin slip across his face. Now, if you stop time right there and go, what is that? What would you find? The answer to that question is this. Dennis had a friend, a secret friend, called Mischief. Dennis the Menace was friends with Mischief. Wherever he went, it was talking to him. Whenever he walked past Mr Wilson's house, he always had a thought on how he could help Mr Wilson. Dennis the Menace was friends with Mischief. And, well, you know, it shaped his life. Hear this, whatever things you're friends with shapes who you are. The consequence of being friends with mischief is a life of trouble. Oh, that follows. That's nice. Look, whatever you're friends with shapes your life. Here's another, another example. Mother Teresa, a little different to Dennis the Menace. She single-handedly changed the worldview on the unwanted and the unloved nationally. Didn't she? Amazing person. If you sat down and had a conversation with Mother Teresa, how would that go? You might talk to her about, listen, what was your, your strategy? How did you change the world? Uh, you know what? I was just walking down the street one day and I saw a child without a mother. And I just sat down and I spent some time with that child. And what did you do the next day? Oh, I was just walking down the same street and I found an, another child. Started loving that child. And a few minutes into the conversation, a tear would well up in her eye and roll down her cheek as she told the story. Snap. Freeze time right there. What is that tear? It's compassion. It's unbridled compassion. She just loved one child one day, one child the next, one child another. And before you know it, the world is changing. Mother Therese was friends with compassion. It shaped her life. It made her the person she was. What things are you friends with? Whatever you're friends with, 
you make room for. Now this week, a lot of you haven't been friends with food. Food has been a distant friend. But today, you're getting back together. Tomorrow, when it's more normal, you're going to welcome food with open arms. You will make room in your life for food tomorrow with unbridled passion. (laughs) Whatever you're friends with, you make room for. If you're a fitness fanatic, you know what? You probably go to the gym four times a week, five times a week, something like that. You make room. You talk to someone who doesn't give a hoot about being fit and, and you say, why don't you come to the gym with me four times this week? I'm only there for an hour and a half each time. I go at 6 a.m. in the morning. And they're going to look at you and go, what is wrong with you? There's no room in my life. They will say, there is no room in my life for, for fitness. Why? I'm not a friend. I don't have a friend called fitness. I have a friend called something else. I'll leave that to you. Whatever you are friends with will automatically have room in your life. Whatever you're friends with shapes your life. Whatever you're friends with attracts people to your life. Whatever you're friends with not only attracts certain people to your life, but it repels others. If you're a very negative person, you can only see the bad in things and you're always whinging about stuff. Probably nobody like that here. But if that is you or you know someone like that and you're a very upbeat, positive, you know, enthusiastic person, who do you hate being around? That person. You hate that negative person. It's just not fun being with them. They suck you dry. But if you're that negative person, who do you hate being around? A little Miss Optimism over there. <laughs> Man, she's irritating. She's always saying good things. They repel each other. Whatever you're friends with attracts. Whatever you're friends with repels. Whatever you're friends with shapes your life. You need to be careful with what things you're friends with. Good choice, eh? Today I want to talk to you about four things that it's worth being friends with. They might come up there on the screen in a minute. Now, depending on your personality and your your experience and your age and all those sorts of things, we can be friends with a wide variety of things. The four things that I'm going to tell you today are just generic. They apply to everybody. Okay? I think I've got the slides out of order by the sound, by the look of it. Yeah, I have. That's all right. But there they are. We'll go back to that scripture in a minute. Vision, faith, and others' focus and a healthy attitude to money. I want to talk about these things today and the importance of being friends with them. I don't think these ones are negotiables. That's why I picked them today. I don't think in, in our different careers and lives and family settings and, and social statuses, I think these apply across the board and probably others do as well. You can find lots of great examples of them in the Word of God. But being friends with these four things will help you live a very effective, very focused life. Now, if we can go back to that, thank you. Sorry to muck you up there, guys. You're awesome. <laughs> That's why I didn't take the clicker today. I just, too much responsibility, the clicker. <laughs> I'm a simple man. So here we go. <clears throat> I'm going to read this um, parable. It's uh, found in Luke chapter 16. It's called the parable of the unjust or the shrewd manager. Your, prob- your Bible probably says the unjust man- a manager or the unjust steward. Now, when you read that title, the parable of the unjust steward, it sets it up. 
This is a story about someone who's unjust, right? This is what I call a paradoxical parable. What does that mean? A paradox is something like Jesus said, if you want to be uh, strong, be weak. That's a paradox. Yeah, doesn't make sense. Come on. How can you be strong and weak? No. That's a paradoxical statement. And this is a, a parable that ends the wrong way. Let me show you what I mean. Read it with me. Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. You're getting the sack. Ah, uh, we've been praying for people to get jobs and this guy's getting the sack. The manager said to himself, The manager says to himself, What should I do? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when my, I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called each of his master's debtors. He asked the first one, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of oil, he replied. The manager said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Huh. Then he said to the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat. He told him, quick, take your bill, make it 800. Now hold it right there. If you had just read this story for the first time, it's the, par- the story of the unjust steward. What are you thinking? Here's what I'm thinking. This guy's going to get it. Are you thinking that? Come on, you know what the next line says. But truly, just stop right now. This guy's just done the wrong thing. He's stolen his boss's money. This is the paradox. This is the annoying paradox of the next line. His master commended him because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in their dealing with their own kind than there are the people of a light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends. What's the point of this? Don't go away thinking, oh, that guy said I can cheat and it's okay. No, no, no. The point of it is this. The boss, this boss, this guy, he knew how to use the money. The, the, the guy who owned this whole deal, he knew the secret of how to use money. Well, and he saw that this shrewd manager made friends with money. It tells us this. The guy who was about to lose his job was friends with money. And that's what the manager commended him for. He was friends. He knew how to use it wisely. It wasn't that he stole the thing that his boss valued. It was that he used the thing that his boss valued. So what things are you friends with? Let's talk about these four things this morning. Vision. Let's leap into vision for a moment and have a look at that. You know, there's, <clears throat> there's lots of things that are written and, and uh, published. I guess if you walk into a Christian bookstore or a uh, secular bookstore, you will find shelves and shelves and shelves of books on vision. So let's not get sort of too complicated about it. Let's just keep it nice and simple for now. What are we going to call vision for today? I've said this. Let me read this to you. Vision is a sense of who you believe you're going to be. Let's not get too big with it. You might believe that one day you'll be, you know, some kind of a national hero or leader of a multinational business or a, a powerful ministry or something. That's fantastic. Go for it. Believe in it. Have a big dream. But... Let me ask you this. Who do you believe you're going to be? Where are you going as a person? 
What kind of footprint do you want to leave in the world in which you live? If you're my age, your biggest dream might that you'd be a great-grandfather, a really, not, not a great-grandfather, a very good grandfather. <laughs> also a great, you know what I mean. <laughs> you want to be good at something. You want to leave a deposit of who you are in the lives of those around you. That's more what vision is about than anything else. What do you want your kids to say about you? How do you want them to think about you? If there's someone that's going to write a book about you, what do you want it to be called? He lies, what's his name? You know, so that's, that's the, the sense of when I say you need to be friends with vision. Are you friends with vision? Does vision speak to you every day? I'm not talking about having it written in the back of your Bible and a little post-it note on your, the, the mirror of your bathroom. No, is vision your friend? Is vision saying something to you on a daily basis? You see, what you're friends with, you make room for. What you make room for shapes your life. Is vision shaping your life? If it's not, what is? Well, if you haven't got a friendship with this thing called vision... Maybe you've got a friendship with the thinking that goes, yeah, whatever. One of the most irritating statements you can ever say, don't ever say it to me. Yeah, whatever. Say la vie, whatever will be, will be. No, it won't. Don't let life sneak up on you and just determine who you're going to be and where you're going to live. You make choices about yourself. What has God said about you? That's who you want to be. None of this, eh, whatever. Don't be a whatever. Don't be a wandering generality. You're put here as a meaningful specific. God put you on this planet to make a difference. Whatever thinking won't get you there. Don't be friends with whatever. Hey, you might be sitting in your chair right now thinking, oh, vision, I don't have what? Me? I know. I just get up in the morning and, you know, it's a mad dash to the bus and then the train and then to work which is a blur and then I get home on the point of exhaustion I eat some sort of TV dinner and fall into bed and then boom next thing the alarm goes off and I'm going again you're friends with routine make routine move over a little bit and bring vision in so that vision can start to speak with you let vision have a little bit of room in your life let what God says about you have a little bit of room in your life you can start to become the person that you've been put on this planet to be. God's no respecter of persons. No matter how big or small your dream or your vision is, it doesn't matter at all. But be it and be really good at it. Is vision your friend? In Habakkuk it says, write the vision because it will speak. See, vision speaks. Is it speaking to you? What speaks to you? What does? Whatever your friends with speaks to you. Um, you would know the story of Moses. He, from birth, was destined to be Israel's deliverer. If you don't know his story, well, it's a good one to read. From birth, he was destined to be Israel's deliverer. He, he had a meteoric rise to fame in Egypt. But then he made a few bad decisions and went really wrong. And he ran and hid from his responsibility. And 40 years, he was on the backside of the desert. And you know what he did? He was a shepherd. So the only thing he ever saw was sheep. 
even though he was called to be something quite significant, profound, the deliverer of Israel, then one day there's this bush burning, but it didn't burn. It just burnt, but it didn't burn. This is a paradoxical bush. So he goes to have a look at the bush and the bush talks to him. Oh, yeah, that's good. And the bush awakens the vision that he hadn't had a relationship with for 40 years. And all of a sudden, boom, inside of him, he remembers he's called to deliver Israel. And and out of the bush, God says to him, you need to go and do this. And he goes, I'm not doing it. I am. Why? He had not had anything to do with vision for so long. It was not his friend. It was almost his enemy. It frightened him. Sometimes it's like that. But when it happens, don't be afraid. Be a bit like Moses. Stay with the bush for a little while until you're beginning to hear, oh, this is me. There's some kind of inspiration coming back into my life. There's some kind of passion coming back. Moses didn't like the idea of having to go back and do the job. But, you know, it still, it started to make sense to him. And off he went. Are you friends with vision? Or are you friends with just whatever? Hey, if you've never had a vision for your life, find someone that you know well enough here in this church or in the community of your work or something like that. Find someone that has got a sense of bigness about them and get friends with their vision. It's just a great place to start. It works. If you haven't got one of your own, find someone else's to be friends with. It works. Don't just sit there and say, oh, well, I can't. No, no never, it will never happen to me. Yes, it will. God has got something for you. Be friends with it. Number two, faith. Are you friends with faith? Remember, whatever you're friends with shapes your life. Vision wants to shape you. Boy, there's a lot you can say about that. You just keep wanting to talk about it, hey? The very first time I got up and preached, I was so excited. I still remember my, my pastor was a, like a, he, he was a teacher. His wife was fantastic. They used to use lots and lots of scriptures. And I got up and I used lots and lots of scriptures. I don't even know what I said. I just used lots and lots of them. And this older guy in the church came up to me afterwards and said, when you have conversations with people, what's it like? I said, I just tell stories. And he goes, the next time you get up, just tell stories, hey? In other words, that was lousy. Don't do that again. But he helped me a lot because he helped me see who I was. Vision only wants to tell you who you are. Vision doesn't want to tell you something bad or or big or hard or difficult or or, awful. It only wants to tell you who you are so you can be that person. Let vision speak. When vision speaks, your decisions will be great decisions. You won't always understand them, but they will be great. Let's move on to faith. In, uh, in Hebrews, it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is, is, is real. If you are new to the Christian faith, you, you might not have even experienced much of faith yet. You might think, wow, it's a bit mystical. Who gets it? Obviously, Ben gets it. I mean, he's got plenty of it. And um, a few other holy and, and um and solid Christian people in this church. But for me, I don't even know what, what? No. Let me tell you how faith works. You go to the, this is just an example, right? You, you might go to the doctor and you get a, a diagnosis that you're sick. Well, you, went, you knew you were sick when you got there, but you've got a diagnosis now so you can confirm that you are sick. And then 
you know, you're working through the medicines and the stuff and, and you know, it's not a good diagnosis. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty awful one, whatever it might be. And then one day you're just reading the Bible with your friend and you're praying together in your, your life group and someone says, let's pray for the sick. And, and someone reads out this scripture. It's from uh, 1 Peter 2.24. It says, because of the sufferings of Jesus Christ, you are healed. And you hear that and then you go, wait a minute. What, what? Say that again. Because of the sufferings of Jesus Christ, you are healed. Huh? Huh? Just read that one more time for me. And boom! It goes off inside of you. And all of a sudden, you cannot stop thinking about the fact that because of the sufferings of Jesus Christ, I am healed. It's past tense. It's already happened. You mean what he did back there works for me now? Oh, yeah. But you've got a diagnosis. I know. And you're sick. I know. How do you feel? I feel bad. But you know, I feel good too. What do you mean? It's very paradoxical. Actually, I feel sick and yet I feel good. This is faith starting to become your friend. Faith is moving in alongside a physical diagnosis. And he's, and he's not, you know, faith is not saying that's wrong. Don't believe that. Don't listen to that. Don't go to the doctor. Don't do any of this. Faith is not saying that. Faith is just saying, listen to me. He's not trying to get you not to be friends with anyone. He just wants you. Faith wants you to be friends with faith. The more you listen to the voice of faith, the less the other things matter. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means that one will take over the other. Which one would you rather? Be friends with faith. Faith is like the keel underneath a yacht. The harder the wind blows, the faster it sails. That's all faith does. Faith just keeps you moving in the direction. Sometimes the work of the enemy is just profoundly consistent in our lives. You've just got to learn to be a great sailor. Not one that's trying to find a safe harbour. Just sail well. Soon the wind will leave you alone. Make faith your friend. Faith will break through for you where thinking never will. Someone's always the first to do something. You know, several hundred years ago, we had what we call the Dark Ages. During the Dark Ages, there was no revelation in the church. There was no power of God. There was no anointed worship. There was no miraculous healing. There was no being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. There was no getting excited and raising your hands. It was black. It was, that's why they're called the Dark Ages. And that was, that was good. Dark Ages. Black. You missed it, didn't you? No one got it. Someone laugh. Yeah, a bit half-hearted. Then someone got a revelation about you can be healed. And he said, let's pray for the sick. And everybody said, pray for the sick? That, you, no. No one's going to get healed. It doesn't happen anymore. It hasn't happened since whenever. And he goes, I want to pray for the sick. So he did. Someone got healed. It was amazing. It was a miracle. Then everybody started doing it. See, faith gets you to break through where no one else can. That's okay. Then everybody else will. There was a time when running a sub four-minute mile was ridiculous. Then someone did. No, everyone is. Oh, not everyone. I mean, you know. 
There was a time when swimming 100 metres freestyle in under 60 seconds was like, oh my gosh, that's world record. They're swimming in under 50 now. It only takes one and all of a sudden, boom. You see, faith just takes you up a level. I'm a, you know, is friend, are, you, are you friends with faith? Is faith your friend? Is faith shaping your life? So much you can say about that. Oh boy. Let's look at another's focus, hey? Are you friends with an other's orientation? In Mark chapter 12 and verse 37, it says this, that Jesus went about healing the sick and doing good. Jesus was uniquely focused on others. Mother Teresa said these words. She said, the Western world has an epidemic of hedonism. Hedonism is all about gratifying yourself. Lots of definitions, but essentially hedonism's core tenet is pleasure. Hedonism is the very opposite of another's centeredness. Are you friends with an orientation to others? Are you thinking about others a lot? Does the way that you live benefit others? See, what you're friends with shapes your life. What you're friends with attracts people to you. You come across people, yeah, occasionally, not very often, but occasionally, you come across people who are just, woe is me. It's just bad news all the way. There's nothing good to be said about my life, about life. If you could just get that person to think up a level about somebody else, then it all changes for them. Is there, is, is, are you friends with an other's centeredness? You know, one of the great things you can do uh, as, as a Christian, as a member of a church like this, is uh, go on a missions trip. Um, we have John and Heidi with us today from, from Thailand. They are with Destiny Rescue over there and... Um, do you have a chat to them afterwards and talk to them about how you can get involved with what they do over there? When you get out of Australia and into a developing country, what these guys do is rescue young girls from the sex trade over there. You see how people do it in, an, in a developing country. You see how these kids um, live, what it's like for them. It, it breaks your heart. It's just so profoundly life-changing, you can't help but want to engage and want to participate and want to contribute. And, and all of a sudden, while you're there, nothing matters but them. This is an, other, an other's focus that you can draw and be friends with. To think about only you is a very small life. To begin thinking about others opens the door to a very big life. Are you friends with an other's orientation or an other's focus? If you're not, go on a missions trip. If you're not, get on to Destiny Rescue or Compassion or any one of those you know, developing country websites. See what they do. See what it's like. Open your life up to thinking about others. You see, Jesus went about doing good. We've got to be about doing good. We've got to pull these things into our lives and say, I want to be friends with the, the kind of thinking that focuses me on others. It's a healthy way to live. Don't fall into the trap of what Mother Teresa called the epidemic of hedonism and thinking just about you. 
Whatever you're friends with will shape your life. Whatever you're friends with will draw others of like mind to you. Last one is a healthy attitude to money. I love all these, but this is probably my favourite. <laughs> money! Oh, you're all here. Welcome back. That means I need to be prompt. I grew up in a baby boomer family. We survived. We made it through to the end. But you know what? The things I remember the most about money is this. My mum and dad saying to me, no, no, we can't have that holiday. We haven't got enough money. No, 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 no. We can't get that new bike. We just don't have enough money. Money spoke a very loud and consistent language in my childhood. No, you haven't got enough. There'll never be enough. There's never enough money. I remember when I got saved and I heard someone read this scripture that says, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's a lot of cattle. And then I thought, well, who owns the hills? Is he leasing it from someone? He owns the hills. What about all the gold in the hills? Well, he owns the gold in the hills. And then he says, and I will provide for you. And I immediately said to myself, money is never going to tell me that there is not enough ever again. If I'm doing what my God has called me to do, do I have enough? Tell me, what's the answer? The answer is yes. There's always plenty of money. Hear me. I'm not saying you can have whatever you want. I'm saying if you're walking in what God's called you to do, you've got faith as your friend, you've got a nice strong others orientation in your life, Listen, there's always plenty of money. Why is he shouting? (laughs) Because sometimes this part of our lives is death. There's always plenty of money. Always. I've said this to my kids ever since they were this big. Is that true or not? Always plenty of money. Don't you ever come to me and say we can't afford it. Sometimes I can't do it now, but that doesn't mean there's not enough money. Heidi bought a farm just a few months ago. cost $40,000. She bought it because they want to help children. This is the call of God on their lives. They're helping children. And she said, Dad, I'm going to buy the farm. I said, go ahead, buy the farm. It's going to cost $40,000. Just buy the farm. Okay, we'll buy the farm. There's always plenty of money, I said to Heidi. So she bought the farm and she rang me up and she goes, Dad, you know how you always say there's plenty of money? I say, yeah. She said, I don't have any. She didn't say there's never enough. She just said, right now, I don't have it. Heidi, there's always plenty of money. I don't know how much money Heidi's going home with from this visit to Australia, but it's probably nearly $20,000. We've nearly paid for that farm or half of it. Maybe today, is there a few thousand dollars sitting in this congregation? Maybe you want to go to Heidi afterwards and say, oh boy. There it is. There's always plenty of money. You've got to be friends with a healthy attitude to money. There's always plenty of money. What's your money say to you? You know what? Ecclesiastes says this. Money is an answer to many things. You ever read that? In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1 or something. Money is an answer to many things. I love that. So, 
Use money to answer things. Use money to solve problems. You ever get those phone calls from like Diabetes Victoria and Wheelchair Australia and Mummy's Wish and they ring up and say, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they're very good at it. You can't get you, you can't, they don't breathe. They never stop. And you think, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, you're working. Who gets those calls? You know, you all you get them, don't they? They're a, bit, a little bit annoying. You know what? Every year, decide on one. Here's a thought for you. Decide on one. Mummy's wish. Here it is. Mummy's wish. They call up. Hi, this is Mummy's wish. Hi. <laughs> How are you going? Yeah, you're from Mummy's wish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, look, I've heard the spiel before. Yep. I'll tell you what. I have got $100 right now to give you before they said anything. Does that solve a problem for you? Uh, 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 yes? Good. What problem does that solve? It's, well, that means we can get four homes cleaned and mums can go out and shit. Fine. $100. Here's my credit card details. Right. Thank you. See, that's awesome. I haven't even told you. Doesn't matter. Don't need to hear. I'm just using my money to solve your problem. Okay. Bye. Boom. Oh, I feel so excited. Money just solved a problem. My money solved the problem. Do it. I'll tell you what. Try it. No, seriously. Try it. A hundred dollars. Just try it. It's only a hundred dollars. Not much money. When they ring up, just stop them and say, I've got a hundred dollars. How can it solve a problem? Do it. Not only, did it, not only, look, it makes you feel good. You need to, to have a healthy attitude, a friendship with a healthy attitude towards money. My time is spent. It's been great to uh, share a few of these thoughts with you today. So what things are you friends with? Are you friends with vision, faith, and others' orientation? Or a healthy attitudes to money. All these things are worthwhile. You know, messages like this today are fantastic because they give us an opportunity to go, We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.